The Girl Camper Podcast is sponsored by Liberty Outdoors, innovative makers of high-quality, lightweight, towable trailers for every stage of the RVer's life. And Campco Manufacturing. For over 50 years, this company has been making products for outdoor enthusiasts. Whether you are RVing, boating, camping, towing, tailgating, or grilling, Camco Manufacturers has products to help you enjoy your time off. We are also sponsored by our consortium of girl camper-friendly RV dealerships. Bankston Motorhomes with five locations in Alabama and Tennessee, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Tom's Camperland with three locations in Phoenix, Arizona. Service, integrity, and committed staffers are some of the hallmarks of these reputable dealerships. To visit any of our sponsors, go to girlcamper.com and follow the links on our homepage. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my Liberty Outdoors lightweight towable trailers. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper, too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador blogger, adventurist, and podcaster, and this is episode 148 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On this week's show, we have very exciting news in our RVFDA podcast family. The amazing Kate Dunbar, former restaurateur, genius behind the Kate's Curious Kitchen blog, campground of the week correspondent, and hostess with the mostess at all girl camping events. She is in the house today to dish about her soon-to-be-released e-cookbook, The Campground Gourmet, Simple Delicious Recipes for Dining in the Great Outdoors. When she's not recipe testing, food blogging, or podcasting, she's a wife, mom, girl camper, and proud Texan. She's also secretly been voted most likely to have people covet the campsite next to her. Stay tuned for the charismatic, creative, and curious Kate Dunbar. Before we head into our news roundup, I have a message from our friends at Tom's Camperland. Tom's Camperland of Arizona has been leading the industry, specializing in truck campers, truck toppers, and trailers since 1979. With over 40,000 square feet of covered showroom space, there's never a bad day to tour the largest selection of lightweight towables in the region. Whether you're searching for a truck camper, a truck cover, or a travel trailer, the staff at Tom's will provide no-pressure information, competitive pricing, and customer service that is top-rated in the industry. 
Tom's Camperland has three locations serving the greater Phoenix area. To view their inventory online, follow the link over at girlcamper.com or just go straight to tomscamperland.com and take a look at everything they have in their showrooms. Tom's Camperland, thanks for coming on board with the Girl Campers. Well, in our news roundup today, I've got some new events that I'm pretty excited to share with you. So I love that our little event, I can't even say it's a little event anymore, our event, the What A Hoots. This is What A Hoot 3 or 4 now. So we've had fall What A Hoots and spring What A Hoots. So I, I think this is probably our third or fourth spring What A Hoot. So for those of you that don't know, What A Hoot is an annual trip we have twice a year, biannual I guess would be the correct way, in Beaver Creek State Park in East Liverpool, Pennsylvania. Our host for this event is Gail Babel, who happens to be a girl camper, but also happens to be the park host there. She's the camp host there. So we just came back just this past fall. We had our What a Hoot fall, and I think that was our third What a Hoot in the fall. And each year it grows a little bigger and bigger. And even though it literally was a deluge this past fall when I was there, I believe in September we had it, it began raining on Friday night at about 5 o'clock and it did not stop raining until Monday morning. (laughs) It rained five and a half inches, I believe we had. Guess what? We had a blast. We did not let that stop us. When it became clear that there was never going to be a break in the rain, we jumped in the car, we went down to Gail's favorite knitting place, and Gail, ever the hostess, taught us all to knit something special and small. So I knitted a pair of mittens that weekend. Other people knitted other things. Some people just made simpler things than knitting. Anyway, it doesn't matter what we were doing. We were having fun doing it together. And there's just, you know, no wrong way to camp like a girl. So now we're having our What a Hoot in the spring. We do this um, every spring and every fall. The fall uh, event was a big success. There were quite a few people there, even though the weather was awful. But our spring event is taking place May 7th through 13th. And I'm just telling you now, you don't have to sign up for this now, but this is more of a save the date kind of thing. May 7th through 13th, that's a Tuesday through Sunday because, you know, we just really gather for a long time. There's so much to do there, and we just like to do a lot of sitting around and visiting, too, and getting stuff done um, at the campground. There's great hikes going on there. It's a beautiful, beautiful park. Beaver Creek State Park is a primitive campground, but they do have cabins now. They were just installed. When we were there in the uh, fall, they weren't even open yet. You couldn't use them yet. We could peek in the windows, but they, they weren't available to use. But they will be available in the spring. They have electric in them. They are pretty large cabins, but they sleep three people because I believe it's a double bed and a twin. But when I tell you there is plenty of floor space here, so you can grab a girlfriend or a cot or sleep there. So if you've been watching us and you've been looking, you're thinking that looks like so much fun, but I don't have a tent and I don't have a trailer and I don't have a van. Take the cabin, enjoy the cabin and just have some fun. So really, this is just to save the date. Uh, The Spring What a Hoot, Beaver Creek State Park, East Liverpool, Ohio, May 7th through 13th. That doesn't mean you have to come for the whole thing. Um, There's always those who travel a little further. They want to get there early. And there's those who stay late. But 
if you can just come Friday and Saturday night, still come. There's a $20 fee, and this is going to be posted on the events page on the Girl Camper Podcast Facebook page. That's where you're going to find all of these events. So the other thing that is posted is two trips for our California Girl Campers. So this first one, this is sounds so exciting. Petaluma Holiday Adventure, December 7th through 9th. Our camp host for this is girl camper Mary Curlin. I had the pleasure of camping with Mary last year at InTown Campground. So much fun. Mary has been really doing some serious mentoring of our West Coast girls out there. These women who are looking and they just think this looks like so much fun, but they need a little hand-holding. And Mary... Mary is a great hand holder. I held her hand. I know. It's true. Mary's great. So Mary has posted this event December 7th through 9th. I love the date of this because to me it feels like a little kind of like holiday before the crushing holiday you know, hubble and uh, hubbub and chaos that can the holidays can turn into. So this is taking place at the San Francisco North Petaluma KOA. This is no fee. You just sign up for your own campsite. You bring your own food to share on Friday night. It, depending on how many people sign up for this, she may rally the troops and go into town on Saturday night. There Apparently, there's an Indian restaurant that's really cool. What's nice about this is the town of Petaluma is so beautiful and it's going to be all lit up for Christmas time. So it would be kind of fun to leave the campground and all go into town, walk around, see the lights. This is one of those trips where you just do whatever you want. If you want to come and you want to get your Christmas shopping done and go back to your trailer and wrap all your presents and come home with all that done, that sounds kind of a fun thing too. Like, Let me do a shopping camping trip, get this whole thing done and be camping while I'm at it. Or if you just want to lay around or meet new friends, you get to do whatever you want. As I said, there's no fees involved in this. You make the reservations yourself at the KOA. There are cabins available here. They have full bathrooms in them and they sleep for and rent for $120 a night. So if you have a girlfriend or two and you want to get a cabin together and you're all paying $30 a night, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So you're going to make your own reservations at the KOA. All the information on this trip is also on the Girl Camper Podcast Facebook page, and it's under events. Just click on it, send a message to Mary, or just sign up right there. Mary has one more trick up her sleeve here, and that is the Solano Springs trip. This is a save the date, too. It is April 4th through 7th, 2019. You know something? When we're heading into winter and everybody is winterizing their trailers and everything seems so, so sad because our trailers are getting battened up for the winter, it's nice to have a trip on the books. It's nice to have something that we're going to be looking forward to. So this is April 4th through 7th in 2019. It's three days of visiting, walking, kayaking, going to town, evenings by the campfire, same simple setup. Friday night, everybody brings food everybody shares. Saturday night, Mary is doing a BYO BBQ. So bring your own barbecue. Mary's going to have a grill. Whatever it is you want to throw on that grill, a piece of chicken, a steak, whatever you want, all the side dishes that are left over from Friday night become the sides that go with Saturday's dinner. It's all easy, easy peasy. So you're going to make your reservations through that, through park reservations backslash Solano County. And 
all of the information for all of these trips are on the Girl Camper Podcast Facebook page under events. This is such an easy way to post events that I think what's going to happen is I am actually going to be phasing out the uh, meetup group. It's difficult for some people to manage. I I don't find it particularly user-friendly, but it was kind of the only show in town for the while I was using it. But it's just super simple to post anything on the Facebook page. So If you have a trip, if you are in the area, like there's a new uh, group in Michigan called Rosie's, um, Roadside Rosie's? It's not Roadside Rosie's, it's Ramblin' Rosie's. They're a great new Michigan group. So I know many of the women in this group, they're posting some trips now. If you have a group like that and you want to put your adventures out and invite other people to come, you are welcome to send me a private message to see if it's the kind of trip that could go on the Girl Camper page. My criteria for that is pretty simple. The trip has to be open to anyone. I don't want anybody posting things that are exclusive to just people with tents or just people with teardrops or just people with vans or whatever it is. It just has to be open to everyone because there's no wrong camp like a girl and we don't want to give that impression to anybody. It also has to be inexpensive. I don't mind if there's a $20 fee because you're going to supply all the ice and the firewood and you're going to have that for people as a convenience, but it can't be one of these trips in which there's all kinds of side trips involved and prepaid for package things. It just has to be simple, simple camping. So if it's open to everybody, it doesn't cost a lot of money, and you are willing to mentor the newbies. If you're opening up to women who have never come, who can who can post to you and say, hey, I don't know how to do this, but I'd like to come, and you're willing to hold their hand for a weekend, then you can post it on um, the Girl Camp Podcast Facebook page. So just drop me a note if that's something that interests you, because I know a lot of people are posting a lot of things now, and they're looking for trips, because that's what we do this time of year. When that trailer is getting battened down, we start looking at our calendars, and we start looking forward to things we can look forward to. So just drop me a private message in Facebook or at girlcamper.com and tell me what you have in mind. Okay, before we chat with Kate, I have a message from Campco. You know Campco makes things. They make things for camping. Camping, boating, RVing, grilling, all those things. There's a part of RVing that's wonderful because it's there and it's available, but it's also a sort of a thing that scares people. So we like that we have a potty in our trailer and we don't have to go to the bathroom running down the campground in the middle of the night with a flashlight in the chilly cold. So we like that RV potty, but we have to clean it and take care of it. And that's where the TST drop-ins come in. So if you have an RV toilet, you're going to need to sanitize it, keep it treated, keep it in working order, and of course, prevent odors. The worst kind of odor. So TST brand drop-ins from Campco. They've been making these things for over 20 years now. What I love about them is how convenient it is. It's all pre-measured. It comes in this really great airtight Ziploc bag. You open it up. You pull out one little TST drop-in. It's got all these granules in it. You flush it down the toilet. You're done. It's doing all of that work for you. So when you get to the dump station... Everything that was a solid is now a liquid. You don't have any odors. You haven't had to touch any chemicals. You just drop that thing in. It keeps the odors away for up to seven days. So one drop-in treats a 40-gallon tank. 
They're in a resealable bag, no fuss, no mess, no odors, easy peasy. That's what Camco does for us. They make things easy peasy. TST drop-ins from Camco. Thank you, Camco, for making life at the campground even better. We're going to be back in a minute with our guest, Kate Dunbar. happy to have a returning guest on the show today, my good friend and fellow girl camper, Kate Dunbar. I will confess that when I draw a blank on what's for dinner, and I do often now, (laughs) I head on over to Kate's Curious Kitchen for inspiration. Sometimes a girl just needs a little extra help. So Kate, you are my go-to, you are my food inspiration, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Janine. It is fantastic to be back on Girl Camper again. Well, uh, when I found out when I was listening to the RV Super Show, when you were on a couple weeks ago that you had a cookbook coming out, I got to give you and the Puglisi's kudos. That's a big secret to keep under wraps, and you guys did a good job. We are really good. It's like a new model of an RV coming out that we already knew about, and then we finally got to spring it on everybody. It's been really hard to keep under wraps, but I'm so excited now to just. Which, but I think it's the best way to right do now. it. Yeah, I think it's the best way to do it. You know, when you have everybody waiting for it, it creates a pressure. So good job, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's like I said, you know, we, we've birthed an amazing project for just about everybody can enjoy this, which is the best part. Oh, well, I, I'm excited to talk about it today. I want to go back for a minute, though, because we have so many new listeners that maybe people don't know that why you're a returning guest. You were on the show. It's hard to believe that this was like a year and a half ago. You were I on. Know. Time flows. Oh my gosh. It, it, oh, that was episode 65. So honestly, that was year one of the podcast, or maybe the beginning of year two of the podcast. And we just celebrated our third year anniversary. So it was almost two years ago. And when you wow. came on, you were talking about how to host a camp out. You, you have a reputation for being a glamper. I do. Yeah, you do. And I've camped with you, and it's all true. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not like one of those, you know, elite glamper. I'm the campground glamper that makes certain that you're having fun, that the food is good, that there's great cocktails or mocktails for you, and just being just friends and talking and laughing and making you feel as welcome as you can. And that's what I make glamping to be for me. I am so glad you made that distinction because when you hear the word glamping, you automatically think of a a lot of tchotchkes at your campground. But the reality for you, and this is why I do covet that site next to Kate Dunbar, you really, (laughs) really, you have a serious gift of hospitality. You, oh, thank you. No, you do. Hospitality is a gift and you have it. And I'm serious about that. (laughs) Did you grow up in a family like that? 
Did you did you I have company every Sunday? Uh, well, we did. I mean, I grew up in a really large farming family, and get-togethers happened all the time at one of the ranches, and it was always the aunts and the uncles, and everybody was always cooking, and you always brought food and, you know, games or whatever, or, you know, just anyhow. Like, during the winter, we would all, the kids, we would all be out on our horses and taking care of the orange orchard to make sure it didn't freeze, and our aunts would be cooking us hot sandwiches to take out there, so... It's always been a part, and I don't have all, like you said, the crazy tchotchkes, but boy, do I ever have an amazing outdoor kitchen when I roll in and set it all up. Everybody's always in awe of it. (laughs) Yeah, you have got some mad equipment going. We're going to talk about that (laughs) later because we're going to get some recommendations out of you before you leave today. Uh, One of the things, though, that amazes me about you, I I do enjoy. I enjoy good food. When when I'm camping, I'm kind of relaxed, and I don't mind throwing a steak on the grill for myself or a pork chop or something, but I'm really not up to camping uh, or cooking for like 10 people. But you always end up bringing that gift of hospitality to the campground, and I'm just wondering when I see you, I go, oh, my gosh. She's so much nicer than me because I just want to sit here with a magazine because I'm off. It's my weekend away. But you seem to really derive a level of relaxation. Like like this is this is how you relax. It is. I'm I don't know how to cook for anybody or for anybody sitting on a table under five people. I just don't know how to do that. You know, I, I owned a restaurant, so quantity, I know how to do that. When people say, can you just make something for two people? That's when I have a panic attack. <laughs> so, like when I go to the campground, that's my time. And it's, you know, being a girl camper and going away with women, it's your focus on you. And from my side of it, the focus on me always is I feed myself first and I know that others will enjoy what I'm doing or what I'm teaching them, if it's a new technique that they haven't seen before. And that's my therapy. That's my creativity. And that's where this cookbook came from, was all of those girl camping expeditions and just campfire talk and listening. I really paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you that I, I look at you and I think you wear so many hats in life, but one of my favorite hats of yours is the unofficial but official role of the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast Facebook page official demonstrating person. I mean, you are where I got the courage to make cedar planked salmon. So you, yes, I know. I (laughs) loved that demo because I never knew, am I supposed to keep the lid down? Am I supposed to spray the cedar plank? I mean, you just took everybody through that step-by-step is that something you enjoy? Do you like doing live TV? Does that make you nervous? I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I think the better part is, is in some, well, I shouldn't say in some, at least in every single video that I have done for RV Family Travel Atlas, you do see me make a mistake and I roll with it. I, you know, it's like when Julia Child dumps the potatoes on the cooktop and just went, oh, well, keep going. It's fine. <laughs> you know, there, there yeah. is no perfection. There just, there isn't. You can never get 
perfect all the time. You have mistakes. You have little slip-ups, and it's all right. Just go with it and figure it out. And as you, I mean, I've burned myself. I haven't cut myself, so that's good. Oh, thank but, God. Like, I've yeah. Swapped, yeah, I know. I've swapped ingredients by mistake, and I, and I just go with it. I think it's fine. I think that that's what makes the content and the following that I've now received so relatable because everybody's looking at me like, oh, there's another just person banging out what they love and they make mistakes too, just like I do. So yeah, I got to say, I I do love that. You're so relatable, Kate. And you know, Julia Child's motto was never apologize. (laughs) She never, never, Never. I mean, that's human. We 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 do. We dumb stuff. We make mistakes, and we keep going. But I have to tell you how much I love your live videos. I I love the the cooking lessons, and you test a lot of food. You test a lot of products and different methods of cooking. And I have learned so much from you. Last year, you did a live thing in your kitchen at home down in Texas a lot of cast iron cooking and you you did a little thing on cast iron cooking. Well, I learned so much from that. I didn't I wasn't heating up my cast iron pans long enough. I, I That's the number one right there. That's it. And that's that's what everybody went Oh, you're supposed to preheat your cast iron? Yes, preheat it first. Your cooking will be more even. Your your pan will stay seasoned better and your food just tastes better. Do you have a favorite method yourself? Do you prefer cast iron cooking to grilling? Oh, that's a really hard. That's because I spend equal amount of time with both. Although today it seems in my house, I have my family in from out of town and I was just cast iron cooking some steaks for lunch when I could have done it out on the grill. But I like the ease of cast iron and I can transfer my cast iron from indoors to outdoors. Just it's simple. It's, it's the product that's made for over the fire in the oven. It just mixes with all areas very well. Right. I I have a big, um, I got this at the Lodge outlet down in Tennessee on a girl camping trip. I was there too. <laughs> I just drove by there the other day when I was coming home from Atlanta. I was at the exit. You don't know how I had to keep myself from turning off because I, I can drop $200. I know. I, I can drop $200 there so easily. But I, Oh, that was like. Oh, yeah. Just not even in through the door for me. I mean, they had to ship all my stuff home. Well, the, the big th- joke was, oh, the store got robbed, but we heard that Kate Dunbar was in the area, so <laughs> she probably cleaned them out. <laughs> well, th- that that uh, lodge outlet down in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, has a seconds room in the back. Yes, they and, do. And the price difference is unbelievable. Although I think these, these pans now are these cast iron pans. Really, they're very reasonable considering they last for decades and decades. I literally have my I, grandmother's. So yes, what is that, 60, here, 70 years old now? So it's an I investment. Have, I have a, yeah, I have a big Dutch oven pot that came off of our family's ranch, and it was made in 1880. And I'm cooking with that. I take it on the road with us when we wow. go traveling, when we go camping with my family. And it makes everything from bread to oatmeal to chili to soup. Yeah, I know. A good Dutch oven. Do you have a philosophy on 
um, the kind of money you spend on kitchenware. Is there an area of kitchen appliance, well, not appliances, but cookware and things that you really need to spend good money on in an area where you can, you know, be a little uh, less... Where you can be frugal. Frugal, thank you. So should you spend money on cast iron and then buy cheaper knives or are knives and cast iron things you got to spend good money on? Knives and cast iron, you really should spend the money, especially, and I will say Lodge Cast Iron, it's an American-made company, so you're keeping Americans in business, and it's a company that's been around for over 100 years, and if something is wrong, you can send it right back to the company, and they will fix it or give you a new one. There is no question, and I love that about their customer service. Knives are another thing. You want the best product that you can afford because... I've bought inexpensive knives before, and I've just thrown them out after a couple months' use. They Mm -hmm. don't keep an edge on it. You end up cutting yourself, which is the worst thing, cutting yourself on a dull knife compared to cutting yourself on a sharp knife. It's a very big difference. Okay. But the where I would be frugal, and honestly, I tell it to everybody, is your cutting boards because you replace those every single year or every couple months. And just get the plastic ones. I love the IKEA ones. They're my favorite. They're under $4. Okay. And then while I'm, while I'm at IKEA, I buy a stockpile of their wooden spoons and their wooden utensils. I go through those all the time. And at the campground, if they get burnt, it doesn't matter. I just throw them right into the campfire. Oh, there you so go. Those are the two really big frugal things that I would say. Invest in a good pair of high-temperature gloves. So you're not burning yourself. And pot holders, I really think you they should only be used to place a hot pot on. Really get yourself a glove because if you're working with heavy cookware, you want the full protection around your hand and partway up your forearm. So that's something that's really good. A splatter guard, they're really inexpensive. I can find them at Ikea. That's another great frugal thing, but you'll use it all the time. Okay. Now, I want to go back to the knives for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think I have a brand called uh, Heinkel? Hankel? Hankel. Hankel. Yep. Uh, okay, I got them as a wedding gift, 36 years, still going strong here. <laughs> and and my, my aunt and uncle who gave them to me made such a big deal about the good, they were really foodies. And, and I still have those knives. And so yep. I'm wondering what brand you use. I use Hinkle, I use Forsner, and then I also have had knives made for me. Wow. And that is a whole different area because that took a craftsman measuring my hand and knowing what I liked and the weight. I'm one of those women that has a very wide palm and very long fingers, so most knives don't fit in my hand. And you never buy a knife that you don't put your hand on. And any good quality reputation business that sells knives wants that knife in your hand because they want you to buy the right one. And all knives come in all different shapes and sizes. And their handles come in all different shapes and sizes. So just keep trying it out. And then I have one from when I had the restaurant that's one of those, we call them beater knives because they just get thrown around and they mm-hmm. get dinged up. But that thing has lasted forever. I think it only cost you like $20. So if you have a restaurant supply company near you, go in there and see what they've got because that's what the professionals are using in the back of your local restaurants. Okay. I... I, I... I love a restaurant supply store. I can hardly get out of one of those places. 
I want you to give us the scoop on that Blackstone Grill. <laughs> that has uh, been the miracle, just surprise cooking implement of the season, I think. You're I mean, sucking you me in. You're sucking me in. I resisted when I first saw all of you with these, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want another piece of equipment, but that seems to be like the go-to everything. It is. It is. And I was fortunate enough that the Blackstone Company sent me the tailgater, which is the one that has the grill on one side of it and the griddle on the other. And I literally received this 24 hours before we took off on our five-week trip this summer. Wow. And it became my workhorse. I could do everything on it. I could sear meat and then put it over on the griddle. I'm sorry, sear meat on the griddle and put it over on the grill side and just make up like a wood pack um, in foil so I could smoke the meat slowly on that side. I could do pancakes. I was making griddle bread, roast chicken. And then the cool part about the griddle is, I mean, the grill side, the barbecue side, is that it's removable. So when I was making a big pot of gumbo, it went right on there because it's a high output burner. So you really have three products in one and it collapses down into two bags that, you know, we just loaded it in the back of the truck and it was perfect. And it runs off of a propane tank or off of the green bottle that we already have. Right. And it just, it worked beautiful because we just hooked it right up to our Airstream's propane tanks in the front. And those were big ones. And it was a dream. It was the best product. But I think the, the most amazing thing was, is it taught people how to cook on a new device. But then all of us in the food industry were like, well, of course, it's a griddle. This is how you do it. But what they didn't realize is that you have to season it properly with the proper oil. So I did a real, both Jeremy and I did a um, back-to-back video on how to season your Blackstone griddle and how to make it the best quality you could for the food that you wanted to cook for your family. And it just, it steamrolled. You could not find them. There was a four week period in the United States where you could not get any of their products. They were sold out. That's because Kate and Jeremy were on it. (laughs) I know. I know. You know, it's true. I, I will admit to, I know that because people watching me at least, 300 of my friends or followers on my Facebook page were like, we can't find this. We heard you talking about it. Now we can't get it. Yeah. Can you call them and have them get me one? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. I cannot call them and help you out. I'm sorry. Yeah. They don't have it. But I didn't have that power with the Camco wine glasses over the summer either. They, they finally called yeah, me I up and get said, them. Stop, stop putting those on Instagram because they're out of stock. <laughs> I mean, when people see something they love, they just want it. I, I want to ask you about that grill because... I'm just so tempted to get it. Is that easy to clean? Yes. It, it looked really like it is. is. It's really easy to clean. And one of the one of the fantastic things about it is when you season it correctly, cleanup is a breeze. If you don't season it correctly and you're making hard gouges into it with a metal spatula, Ooh. it's going to be harder because you're going to have a buildup in an area and it's not going to be that slick, smooth surface. So really think about it when, when you're working with it. And I will always say anytime, even if you get new cast iron that says it's pre-seasoned, please season it yourself and always use flat seed oil. It is the highest quality. It bonds perfectly. It fills in all those little bitty micro holes and makes the best 
first season oil. The rest of the time that you're cooking, you can use anything you want, but make certain that you season it well and with flaxseed oil. Okay, so the first seasoning is flaxseed oil. Now, when I do mine at home, when I, I just cooked mine last night, I, I use it six nights a week. The big, the big mm-hmm. lodge. I think I have like the twelve-inch pan on my stove at home. Um, so I let it cool off. I throw a handful of salt in it kosher salt. I clean it all with um, a paper towel, just the salt. I rinse it, dry it, and then I put it on the stove top and turn on the burner. And then I put a little bit of olive oil in it and I swish it around with a clean paper towel and I just let it uh, heat up in there for a minute and then I turn it off. Does that sound That's correct? That's all you have to do. Okay. That's all you have to do. Phew. Uh, now nothing... that you've approved my record, <laughs> I, I feel I have, better, Kate. I have. <laughs> I absolutely have. And just the good thing is, is don't use olive oil. Don't use walnut oil. Don't use any nut or fruit oil when you're doing that initial first seasoning. Or if you have to re-season it because it's, it got a little goopy and you had to do some work on it, just okay. don't use those nut and fruit oils. Go okay. back to flaxseed or canola or Crisco. You know, there you go. Old school. Well, Kate, Old school. You, you've got you've got restaurant chops. You've got food chops. Your your family was farmers and ranchers in Southern California. You grew up around fresh, wholesome, good food. Uh, you love to cook. You've owned a restaurant. You've done all these demos. You're you're a food blogger, food photographer. Tell us. I mean, it's a natural. It's natural that you should be writing a book now. I mean, what took you so long is what I'm really thinking. But tell us how the book came about. It came about because Jeremy and I were going back and forth with each other about cooking on the Blackstone, and I made a comment. I'm like, "Oh, you should see the recipe that I made." I'm like, and then someone said, or we said, "Oh, you guys should write a book." And then it became the texting back and forth. Yeah, and then the talking of. I think we should do this. I'm like, I'm totally down to do this. I have the recipes. I've got this. Let me finish up the technique over the summer with my family when we're on the road. And let's mail this thing and let's do it. And it was never a question of should I, shouldn't I. I mean, I go back to that girl camping and, you know, the encouragement of all of us single girl campers when we're out there. Not that I'm single. I'm very married and I have the most supportive husband in the world. Who's but you're a solo woman to, traveler when you go with the I girls. I am. I'm a, that's it. And, you know, and it was that. It was it was the same kind of thing. Well, I'm going to learn to back up my trailer today. Well, of course I'm going to bust out a cookbook. Yeah, right. let's do this. Let's get it done. Don't say no. That's kind of been my year motto. Just don't say no. Try it all. Have fun. Learn the lessons along the way and just correct where you need to correct it and go forward with it. Well, I want to know that, though. I want to know about the process of, so you write a recipe or you're inspired by, you put your own spin on a classic, like, you know, we all, everybody makes pancakes, but every pancake is not the same. So you create this recipe what else is involved there? So you're going to put this in the book. You food tested it yourself. What are you looking for when you're testing the recipe? I'm looking for the fact whenever I do get inspired by one and I cook it the way how they've said to do it, and then I start putting my spin on it, changing the amount of, like we're going back to pancakes, changing the amount of eggs, separating the eggs, you know, whisking egg whites and folding it. Do they get lighter? Do they get, you know, fluffier? Do they get more golden when they're cooking? And then you do it again. And again, and again, over and over, pretty much just like how America's Test Kitchen, their television show is, that's what I do in my home for, that's my profession now. 
And then when I get it right, I have a really great handful of friends and family who are very honest that test the recipes for me from the whole line of there were too many instructions to, I just didn't get this and I tried it three different times or okay. missing something there. You know, I mean, I have a check and balance board that works with me. And then when we know we nail it, that's when, you know, the, the document in my computer, the word final gets put in instead of draft. Draft. And then it's, I know, it's like, all right, there it is. There's another one. Stick it over into that file. And then it starts to go on the, well, it needs an image. So I've got to create an image to go with it. And that's just how it starts to evolve. Well, I want to ask you about the images because not only Kate (laughs) is curious here, the whole process of photographing all of this food, the photographs in this book are so inspired. They're mouthwatering. I'm a little annoyed with the whole thing right now because I've been looking at them for the last two days. And even though I am not hungry, I am thinking about food. And that means it's good because your images Aww. have literally inspired a, a physical response in me. I'm like, I have got to make that recipe. I've, I've, I have a, a taste for something. Did you take all of those photos yourself? I did. I did. I spent nine weeks shooting the images. And it. I thank my two instructors that I've had for years, my food photography instructor and my food styling instructor. And if it wasn't for them and their encouragement and their help, it never would have been done because shooting commercial food images, which those are, they have to be presented in such a way that you're looking for, I'm looking for my fingerprint on the plate. I'm looking for that seed on the top of the burger bun that's just not in the right place. Those are the things that you have to go look for. And building the shot and making certain that it works the correct way and because it's very different than some of the shots that I do for my blog, which is I just cooked it and I just plated it and here you go. And my Instagram account really shows most of those. But this was, it was a big stretch. And I understand now why my instructors would say it will kill you to do this. You will hit a wall so hard and so fast and you have to have that wherewithal to see the end of the line and to cross to get to it because it'll take you out it is so physically demanding and even though you think it's a picture it's everything that builds up taking the image is the easiest part of it Mm -hmm. because I'm not just making one product um like that grilled romaine salad that we both were talking about it's my favorite image in the book it is stunningly beautiful and the colors and the way I grilled 30 heads of romaine lettuce (laughs) just to get those ones that are on the page so that's what it takes and that's that's why camping and going and being in this world helps me because it helps me focus it helps me see what I need to bring forward yeah, well, I'll tell you, Stephanie Puglisi sent me a galley copy of the book a couple of days ago. And these recipes, they are not just for campgrounds. I don't want people to to go away thinking this is a campground book because it isn't. In fact, no. I jumped ahead. I had to. We had company. And I went ahead and I made the roasted garlic and cheese dip recipe, the warm. It, it was so, so good. 
And I just oh, went through that book and I just thought, I love the way the book is broken down. You've got all kinds of different categories in the book. You've got desserts. You've got main dishes. You've got quick meals. You've got breakfast foods and desserts and side dishes and entrees. And you even have drinks, which I really, really love. <laughs> Did you do like all the entrees at once and then all the no, desserts? No, every day I was... I. Like I was going kind of skipping around and doing everything. And then when it was after the first two weeks of shooting and styling, it, it came into form of like, all right, get this section done, get this section done and just keep rolling through. But I mean, these recipes are perfect for at home, at the picnic table, at the campground, having your family over. They really move through all places. I mean, you know, it is the campground gourmet, simple, delicious recipes for dining in the great outdoors, but it's also so much more. You can easily make any of your holiday items. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the one that's next on my list, because I want to talk about some of the actual recipes here. Um, Well, I love savory things. I'm much more likely to choose a savory dish than I would be like a dessert. I don't have so much. Me too. Yeah. So I'm, it's just killing me here. I want to make this cast iron balsamic mushroom and grilled bread. That it's looked so good. I looked at that and I thought, oh my gosh, if you were on the campground on a fall Saturday afternoon, this would be like with a little goat cheese maybe on the grilled yeah. bread and a glass of white wine. I'm dying over that recipe. The picture was so beautiful, but that looked delicious. It's one of those things that, I mean, I make it all the time in my house. And what's great is that most of these recipes are everything that my family's already been eating for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of switched it up a little bit. But that mushroom one started with over noodles. And then it kind of, the mushrooms went over to polenta. And then it went over to grilled chicken. And then it <laughs> went over to grilled flatbread. And I'm like, and that's where I wanted it for the cookbook. Right. But it's, you can piggyback it, all of those those sides and the appetizers, you can completely piggyback them onto other recipes. It's very easy to. And a lot of the sauces, which is great because it's, I break everything down, and there's an image of everything. It's over 100 pages, this book. So you get the full immersion. You get the recipe and the image. And then take your own creativity to the next level and just make it yours. Enjoy it. Take my meals and turn them into your family's favorite. Well, I want to talk about the rubs for a minute because, (laughs) okay, this is my idea of a rub. Like, let's just say I'm going to put a pork butt in because I have a huge crowd. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you might have to sit down for this. <laughs> Prepare yourself, Kate. <laughs> okay, I'm prepared. <laughs> okay, I go to the Dollar Tree, and then I buy the the cayenne and the paprika and the garlic powder, and I buy all of them and the big things for one dollar each, and I throw them all in a bowl and I mix them up and I pour them all over the pork butt. <laughs> huh. Okay. I know. Um, Are you still with us? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Oh, oh, So when I saw your rubs, I got very excited because I'm doing like these grilling baskets as my gifts for my um, girl camper friends for Christmas this year. And I thought, I I went online and I thought, I need to make 
these rubs a little. I'm going to make these. I had these pretty jars and I was going to make rubs and put nice labels on them. And I thought that would make such a nice gift to add to the thing. So when your book came and there was actual recipes for rubs. So talk to me about the quality of what goes in a rub. Well, there are five rubs in the cookbook, and the first thing I can say is I will be as kind to you as I possibly can <laughs> while I uncross my eyes. So, okay, <laughs> I know, I know, it's bad. Say, I mean, is that, and let me say, if that's what you can afford and that's what you're comfortable with in the flavor, I'm not going to tell you to change. But if you're looking to change things up a bit, the quality is going to be higher when you use a spice company. I solely use Savory Spice Shop. You can get their things online. They have um, actual storefronts sprinkled all over. We've got one in Austin, and I buy all my spices from there. So it's called Family Savory Spice Shop? Savory Spice Shop. Okay, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, and... I worked in Sri Lanka and I worked in India, two of the spice capitals of the world. And I was in the spice field. So I know that background. Okay. And you really, just like cast iron, you want to spend what you can afford. And that, that's the most part. Fresh is best. If you're using something with fresh herbs, fresh is best organic. If you can, if you're using herbs, you want to know where it was sourced you want to know who was clear together because not putting anything down at the Dollar Tree, but you don't know how long that's been in a bottle. It could be five years. Mm, it could be yeah. six months. And the quality is very different. And you don't know how those herbs and spices were treated. So if it doesn't say on the label, be a little cautious. Really think about what you're doing with your ingredients. Salt, mm -hmm. I love salt. I probably have 20 different types of salt in my cupboard, and you know that from when I'm when I'm camping. I have a whole table full of different salt to cook with and to finish with. I always cook with Morton kosher salt. I, I love it. It's great. It has that great salty flavor to it. Everybody can get it across the United States. For my finishing salts and the salts that I use on steaks, I only use Jacob Salt Company, and it's the best in their handcrafted salt. You will pay for it, but you will taste the flavor that's different. Now, I couldn't exactly put that into all the rubs, so I made it really simple. I even gave you references of what spice companies to use and what salt to use and where to get them. But, you know, everything, sourcing from the black pepper to paprika to cumin. And that's all in the book. It's all in the book, and it's all right there, and it's so simple. You can double, triple, quadruple any one of those spice recipes. The sky's the limit. So if you wanted to make a big old size and have that as your Christmas gift, because the book's on pre-sale right now, you can do it. It's right there for you, and it's so simple. Well, before we talk about how to get the book, I want you to tell me what I, it, it's probably not a fair thing to say, what's your favorite recipe in the book? It's like, what's your favorite kid? And we don't have favorite kids, but... <laughs> I do have one. I absolutely have one. You have it's a favorite story. recipe? I do, and it is with the seasoning, and it's that barbecue rub. And that recipe hasn't changed since I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. When I have been a kid of PBS, and I've always watched the cooking show since I was very, very young. And Stephen Reichlin and all those men that were showing barbecuing really influenced me. I had a grandfather that grilled all the time. My, my father grilled all the time. So it was something, and uncles and cousins, it was something I was around. 
When I was 14 years old, I asked for a Weber barbecue for Christmas. I didn't want clothes. I didn't (laughs) want shoes. I didn't want makeup. I wanted a barbecue. And I got it. And that's where my journey started. And I knew from watching all these great chefs and cooks on TV, I needed to come up with my own rub. So I sat there and I dissected Larry seasoning salt and a couple others. And it took me days to just like, what do they put in it, you know, on a white piece Mm -hmm. of paper? And then I kind of figured it out and I started making my own and I made my own. And then when my mom tasted that, that recipe, she went, that's it. Don't change anything. You've got it. And I haven't. So that is one of my oldest and dearest recipes.